What a way to welcome exciting. in our next guest. <laughs> Dan didn't know about this, that, man. I know. This is his, this is his kind yeah, of music. This, this is his time frame that. right here. Yeah. Danny Cannell joins us on 3HL. Danny, what's up? How are you? See, I'm a little bit bummed because your guy's producer didn't have me up. I was rapping along. To See? That. I, used to <laughs> I mean, Cool Mode D might have been one of my first cassette tapes that I had back in the day. And he, I mean, you talk about just. That's right in my heyday, man. That's right in my wheelhouse. I'm yeah. loving that. Was that on the uh, up with you guys. the pregame uh, playlist, Canel? <laughs> probably not in college. Probably like in fifth and sixth grade basketball. Okay. It might have been like what we came out to because we wanted to be cool like the varsity team. You know, and so we'd have like the music that was playing during warm-ups. It was probably on in that for sure. I like that. All right, so what position were you playing in basketball at that point, Canel? Uh, well, I, I was always really tall. So I actually played varsity basketball in eighth grade. I went to a school that was all like K through 12. So I played varsity basketball in eighth grade. When I was younger, like fifth and sixth grade, I was, I was a big, right. Yeah. But then I just wanted to shoot threes. I was, but I was, I was ahead of, I was ahead of the, I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, or else I might've been. Way back then. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just shooting threes and not much defense. So I could have been in the NBA if I was, you know, if it was 30 years too soon. <laughs> obviously, obviously we're going to get to Bama, Georgia. No question. Uh, but real quick, um, are we headed like, I'm thinking about the transfer portal and, and we've had some local guys uh, pop in there today. Um, it's a but hot I, mess. Yeah, yeah. If, I I, if I'm Bryce Young, I go in the transfer portal, right? Like, what's to stop like any high-ranking quarterback at a Power Five like that to just test the waters, get the highest bid? Yeah, and that's that's kind of been a really hot topic now because of what Caleb Williams done, and that was the first observation that a lot of people were saying was this is free agency, and it is. And I was pointing out that you actually have it better than NFL players yeah. in a bunch of different ways now in this. And I think it's perfectly appropriate song. We came in some cool mode wild, wild west. Cause that's what we have in <laughs> exactly. college football. And you know what else? I mean, when you come out of high school, guess what you get to do? If you're a five-star, if you're the best player in the country, guess where you get to do? You get to pick, you get to go to the best. You want to go to Bama, you go to Bama. You want to go to Georgia. You get to pick where you go. Where does the best player in college football have to go? Trevor Lawrence had to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars who stink. You know, he didn't have that choice. So, like, that's, that's one area. Then guess what else? You get drafted by Jacksonville, you got to wait five years before you can, you know, really get out and really hit a nice bigger payday or free agency. You know, and if you're a later rapper, you've got to wait four years. Guess what? And this is exactly what you're talking about. Caleb Williams, one year, had a nice year. I'm going to, I want to hit free agency. I want to go test the waters. I'm going to go see how much money I can make out there. So, and I get that the top end isn't there, like, but it's getting there. That's why I do think we desperately need some structure uh, to the entirety of this system. It is a mess. And it's in, in, no one wants to hear the side where no one feels bad for the people making millions. And I don't either, but for the health of the sport, we need to have some roster continuity, but and that's why you're seeing general manage, you know, general manager positions created on staff. Yeah, they're trying to figure out with 85 scholarships, and we get an average of 11 players from each team, an average of 11 players transferring, hitting the transfer portal. How do you, how do you, like, how do you keep track of your team and your roster and monitor it? It's becoming impossible. So. I think we need some structure. The crazy thing is, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Like who's and because there's no 
organization. No one respects the NCAA. They don't hold any power over Power Five football. Yeah, they can't. You know, and then you have these five different conferences who kind of have their own thing, rather than a overarching like organization that takes control of it all. I think the first thing that's going to happen, and we saw a little bit of this with Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, because I think Greg Sankey's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. I think you see a formation of a super conference that's really like not 16 teams, maybe 24, you know, somewhere in that. And you get, and then you just say, we're going to create our own league and we're going to start paying the players the way we should. And we're going to have a salary cap and we're going to, you know, we're going to actually have free agency. We're going to have contracts. I think that's probably the more likely scenario that happens sooner before anyone gets their act together and you have all 130 FBS programs playing by the same rules. I just don't think that's a possibility. 24 teams, four, six team pods, like I, and they govern it themselves. Yeah. Yep. yeah I get and they, and they get to collect that. a new TV contract and, you know, then those players are just true professionals and maybe school's optional. You know, it's, I just think we're on this, we've already seen massive change. Like we've never seen before with transferring without restriction and with NIL. And I think we're just getting started. That makes me sad. Me it too. makes me sad because I, I, I just I love the passion. And I mean, you know, you you your alma mater, you love that place. Like, I, I just hope Florida we don't State for those wondering. Yeah, sorry. Yes. yes. Florida State. Um, Like, I just I hope we don't lose the passion that is college football, because that's what I love about it. So, Don, I thought we had a moment at the Army-Navy game. Like, we kind of, like, we put our <laughs> ACC-SEC differences aside. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I noticed, you know, a couple comments there on Twitter that I didn't love. So I feel like we're back in a bad place. But I agree with you. So here's, here's the way I put it. Like, I think this isn't anybody's fault except money. Money ruins everything, right? Yep. You know, yeah. and it brings more problems. It brings – and I think that is the biggest problem here. And there's also been an incredible amount of greed – on behalf of the NCAA and, you know, the powers that be, conference commissioners, athletic directors, because we really should have figured this out 20 years ago. And then it would have been a slow escalation. And then the players are getting some. And I don't think it would have been as drastic as it's going to be a shock to the system. But, Don, you make a great point. And here's one of the things that bums me out. When I was in high school, I absolutely loved playing with my boys, like just going out there, playing with your guys, you know, you go out after and maybe grab a couple beers after if you got if somebody looks really old and has some good facial hair and they can buy you a six pack and do that. <laughs> then you get to college and guess what? After the game, you go. I, I used to go back to Burt Reynolds Hall. That was the name of our dorm. It was all football players. And guess what? We'd all be out there hanging out together and no one thought twice about opting out or missing a bowl game. And you were just with your boys. Right. And if we lost a game. It was like a morgue. It took us weeks to recover from a loss. Yep. And I'll never forget, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, I went, I was drafted by the Giants, and I go in the Giants, you know, and we play, and we get to the regular season, and we have our first loss. And I go, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, you know, down, I'm dejected. And I go in the locker room, and it's, hey, man, where, where are we going tonight? You know, what's, what's the plan for tonight? And, you know, and then, you know, as long as my check is coming, and it was such a different vibe. And it is a business. And guys come and they punch in. And, you know, they punch in for work and they punch out at the end of the day and they go home to their families. And it just doesn't have the same passion that, you know, when it's a business. And unfortunately, all of us have turned college football into a business. So, Don, I feel you're like, I feel the same way. 
What I still think we do have, and I know Herb Street took a ton of heat for this, and I thought it was unfair because people were saying, oh, he said every player doesn't love football anymore. And what I think he – and I and he clarified this, and he said he I wasn't talking about every player. Right. But I think there's a massive difference. More players than ever are playing football not because they love the game, but because they love what the game can bring to them, and it's money, and it's fame, and it's followers. And that, to me, is the thing that is really changing, and it's changing extremely fast. So, and you know I love you. I always preface (laughs) that with. But that leads me to the tweet where I wanted to destroy you for your garbage (laughs) take, which was, if this year, this is a Danny Cannell tweet, everybody. If this year has taught us anything, it's this. 42 bowl games is too many. It's not even a debate at this point. And exactly what you just said is why your tweet is garbage. Because the ones that are passionate about it, that do love the game, are the ones that are getting the opportunity and the experience to play in that bowl game because they're the ones that aren't opting out. They're the ones that are being rewarded by this. That was my take with you, which is why I went at you on Twitter. I got my finger on the block button right here on John. <laughs> I got it right here. So close. No, so here's, here's where this is like. Me so would work me. well too, Danny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got, so this could not, so I literally sent that tweet during the pinstripe bowl. And mm-hmm. if you remember, the pinstripe bowl was Virginia Tech getting absolutely destroyed by Maryland. Yeah. And Virginia Tech had their coach leave. They had half the team enter the transfer portal. The other half, like, you know, went, like, they're opting out for the NFL, even though they're going to be free agent, you know, not even drafted. And it looked like they didn't want to be there. And, and that was the moment I said. nobody on Maryland's roster had ever played in a bowl game. That was their first bowl game since <laughs> right. 2016. <laughs> right. So then, and, but then also, so like the next game, I'm pretty sure it was the Music City Bowl, which was like the best game of the, the maybe, or top two games of the bowl season. Yeah. And then the next game's like great. And then all of a sudden we get this turnaround and all of a sudden bowl season is saved by all these great games. But guess what? It was about the 20th game in when we got really compelling games, we had compelling atmospheres, and we had all this great football on display. Now, I'm hedging somewhat because I do think I've done a little self-scouting. And what I actually – so here's, here's where it came from. And I think this is one thing you may be onto something, Don, and this is good. So I went into the Rose Bowl thinking Ohio State doesn't want to be there. You know, they got the four guys opted out. They're, you know, this team has mailed it in. They're going to go through the motions. And guess what? What do we see? We saw a team who showed up ready to play. They got into a shootout. It was thoroughly entertaining. And Utah, it was their Super Bowl. And they had, you know, they were all into it, all in. And and then it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, you know what? Ten years ago, those four players would have played, and they probably would have gone through the motions. Like, I don't want to get hurt. Like, I'm just – let me run this route and then get out of bounds. And let me (laughs) make this tackle and make sure I don't roll the wrong way. Let me go up a little bit easier. Maybe opt-outs are a good thing because it does weed out the players who don't want to be there. And if they want to go prepare for the NFL, good for them. And maybe if we get the opt-outs out of the way and the transfers out of the way and all you're left with are players who are playing because they love the sport like you're talking about, maybe that's a good thing. And so that's where I've kind of like spun, you know, all the way around to say, well, give me bowl games where everybody wants to play. And if we get those, then great. The other thing I did want to, I kind of forgot it left out, there were teams that didn't want to play like Texas A&M 
They could have played. LSU played with 39 scholarship players, and they got beat, but at least they showed yeah, up. Yeah, they got their butt whooped. Eight days before, Texas A&M said, no thanks, we're not coming to Jacksonville. They could have played. They didn't want to. Hawaii didn't want to play for their coach, and that situation's a mess. But they were like, we don't want to play. Hawaii cancels last minute. So there's, there's some teams that are saying we don't want to play, and I'll say, good, like let us know so we don't have to sit through a crappy Virginia Tech-Maryland bowl game, and that could be a good thing. Danny Cannell with us, uh, betonline.net. Check, uh, check out that website for uh, all kinds of uh, sports betting odds and ends. Uh, obviously, Georgia and Alabama, we get that game again. Uh, Slay and I kind of divided on this one. I'm saying Georgia minus the two and a half, which is up to three now. Um, a lot of people are calling me crazy, saying we've already seen this happen. Why would you fall for this? Don't bet against Saban. Where are you on this? So, Brian, I think that's good. I- I'm with you. I, I'm on Georgia. I don't love Georgia. I like it a lot better at two and a half, and it has been fluctuating a lot. It's right. like two and a half, three. If it gets to three and a half, then I'm kind of like, I think it's going to be a good game. Then maybe there's value on Bama. What I do like is I do like the under. It's 52 and a half right now. I yeah. don't think you'll see a repeat of Bryce Young torching Georgia for 400 yards again. The second quarter was like this perfect storm. He, you know, he comes on fire. I just don't envision Georgia getting torched again. Now, I still think Bryce Young will make it an interesting game and he'll have some success. But I think we're going to see more of the physicality you saw in the Orange Bowl against Michigan on display from Georgia. I think they do make the necessary adjustments. They've got tape now. They've always had tape, but now they've got it with their personnel against Bama's personnel. I do think, but the reason I like the under is in these rematches that happened just a few weeks ago, I think the defenses have a slight edge here, having seen some formations. And now you'll get new wrinkles. They'll do new formations. They'll do new motions to kind of throw you off a little bit. Uh, so I think there's an advantage from the defensive side of the ball. And I think the loss of John Mechie is big. Like you, he's, he's an 1,100-yard receiver who had over 100 yards receiving in the first game. He's not going to be there. So I think even Bama – is going to be pressed to put up points. I think it's going to be a lower scoring, like classic slugfest, like 24, 21, 27, 24, somewhere and then. So I lean towards Georgia laying the two and a half or the three, but I like the under probably is my favorite play. Let me ask you this. By the way, the boys are currently in their betting apps as we speak. <laughs> yeah. So let me go ahead and take over now. It's, it's still uh, three right now. <laughs> it is three. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, let me ask you this. I, I felt like watching Kirby coach that he did things uncharacteristic of him when he's coaching against Saban. Do you know what I mean? Like just decision making just all the way around. I feel like I I almost feel like what do you what do you say Brent? I feel like Kirby had the yips as a coach against <laughs> Saban and and that that is a thing. Am I crazy for seeing that or watching that or thinking that? No, I think this is all mental. I think, yeah. And it's not only for Kirby, I think it rubs off on the team. And this is their giant they have to slay. And they've got to find a way to get over the top. I mean, every cliche in the world you could use, the talent is there for them to beat Alabama. That is clear. I mean, the defense is better. Now, quarterback is not better, and that's a great neutralizer in Bryce Young. But they've got more talent across the board than Alabama does. They were up in the first half, which they've been, I think, every time of this little run where they've been you know, 0 for 4. I think they've been up at halftime almost in every single one. They've had leads that they've blown, not this last one, because that's right, the second quarter came back and, uh, and Bama came back with a flurry. But they've had leads. It is a – they start squeezing it a little bit tighter. You get a little bit more nervous. 
And I do, I, it's almost like, I don't know if there's a specific play call, like a, a strategy that Kirby gets different. You can just sense, you can cut the tension with a knife. And it's like, uh-oh, like, what's he going to do? And what's the team going to do? And then I think the team almost feeds off of that negative energy and it is, it becomes a thing. And it very much is a thing. And they have to get past that obstacle. And I'm wondering what Kirby does. I think he's got to preach. We have to do, like, he, he's got to be in his locker room and leading up in practice and the pregame, and at halftime, guys, we've, we've gotten to this point because we've won with great defense, attacking defense. We've run because we control the line of scrimmage. We've run the football, and we make a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes. And I think you just have to be preaching, hammering that into their head. We don't have to score 40 points to beat them. We have to stop them from scoring 40 points because that's what they do. That's the, they're good on defense. And we don't have to go out there and, you know, throw for 350 yards. We need to run for 150 yards. So, like, You've got to hammer in everything that got you there and reinforce, reinforce, reinforce that. But at some point, like, you just feel, like, does he fake a punt like he's done other times to try to force the issue? Does he do a trick play to try to force the – to show we're not nervous, we're going to take chances. Like, but it's really – we know he's nervous and he's trying to force the issue. Like, it is a <laughs> yeah. mental mind game for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's all it is, and they've got to figure out a way to solve it. You're, uh, by the way, to your point, you're right. 2017, uh, Georgia was ahead 13 at half, and 2018, Georgia was ahead 14. Mm. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And Danny, that's yeah. th- that's what that's what I think. I think it's all a facade. If, I, if Kirby is to win this game, and I've been riding with Georgia all year because I believe in this defense. I do not think what happened in the SEC championship can happen again to this defense because they are that prideful. This is the only team in college football. In, in NFL football, where they stay on the field in the fourth quarter with 10 seconds left to not let you score a touchdown, with you being on the three-yard line. So they could care less about that. They're too prideful to do that again. But at some point, at some point, doesn't Kirby have to throw his hands up and I think take himself out the equation and let his guys do it, his offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator, trust them to get the job done? Because I think if he is involved in it, at some point, it always happens. He looks over there, and all he got to do is catch eyes with him, and it's like it's Medusa, and Kirby turns it's to stone. Medusa. You know what I'm saying? No, you're right, so he does, and that's where he's – I do agree with you. On the defensive side of the ball, I would trust him more. He's a mm-hmm. defensive guy, uh, and Dan Lanning, you know, he's, is doing double duty here as he's taking the job at True. Oregon, but I think, he's, I think he's clearly focused there. But on the offensive side of the ball, that's where I would stay away. Like, yeah. don't come – like, let Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, he knows the personnel – he knows what guys are ready to go and what scheme, what Stetson Bennett likes to do best, what run plays the offensive line plays like the best. Those are the moments that I think he's got to trust. And even like if there's a fourth down and two, like you get in that headset and you're t- whatever you guys want, like you guys mm-hmm. roll with it. We, we believe in you, whatever you want to do. And I, that's, I totally agree with you. I think he's got to let his coaches coach in this one because the moment he starts getting over coaching, that's when the panic sets mm-hmm. in. Why is he, he doesn't normally do this. What's he doing over here? <laughs> right. That's where you got to really let your coaches coach. BetOnline.net, they got tons of stuff for you. You need to check it out. Danny Cannell, at Danny Cannell on Twitter. Always enjoy the visit, my friend. Thank you, bro. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, you guys, Danny. Are you guys going to Indy? Uh, negative. Nope. Ghost Rider. Right. But we are All going right. to the Super Bowl if it's in L.A. or Dallas. I'll, I'll be out there. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping for Dallas because it's closer to me in Florida. But uh, we'll have to meet up out there. We'll do it. Do All it. right. See Appreciate you guys. It. Have a good one. Drive safe right. tonight. See ya. Danny Cannell on Twitter. He's on it, man.